Welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic, which means we're getting going here in the offseason. Plenty to discuss, including, it's not too early to start talking about the draft, right? I don't think so. Senior Bowl is coming up in a few weeks, and on the podcast today to help us get a jump start on all that is Jim Nagy, Executive Director of the Senior Bowl. I spoke to Jim this week. We had a chance to go over uh, the players in the Senior Bowl, the notable players, I should say, at least didn't go through them all, including the quarterbacks and a bunch of the main quarterbacks. Uh, other than Matt Corral from Ole Miss, really any uh, any of the passers that we'll be talking about over the next few weeks in the first round, or at least maybe by day two, will be in Mobile, including Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh uh, Malik Willis from Liberty. So uh, Jim Nagy and I talked about those guys, and we went through other positions as well in relation to what Washington might be looking for in the draft. So uh, always a fun conversation with Jim, and we'll get to that in a moment. In addition, I went a little bit off the off the grid here with my second guest, uh, one of my favorite musicians, Citizen Cope, who is from this area. He was part of my um, name change panel that we had last year to discuss, you know, w- what possibly the name could be, the, the new name could be. And since the, we know that uh, February 2nd is when they will reveal the name, I thought, what a, a good opportunity to catch up with Cope. But in addition, he is going to be at the Anthem Theater on January 27th. Um, I plan on being there, and I wanted to let everybody know that that's going to be happening as well. So we talked about the name change. He is, as I said, uh, from this area, so he's a fan of the local teams, including the Washington football team, big college football fan. So a, a fun conversation uh, with one of my favorite uh, artists out there. I think you guys will will, will like that. And if you haven't heard his music, I, I uh, if you're looking for something chill, <laughs> I would say go check out go check out Citizen Cope for sure. So we'll get to all that here in just a few moments on the Standard Room Only podcast. And if you missed it, um, the earlier podcast this week with former Washington head coach Jay Gruden. Always an interesting time with Jay. We had a lot to get into for sure. Uh, NFL playoffs. We talked about Sean McVay, uh, his coaching tree, Gruden's future. And and that I, that became news this week, subsequent since the interview, uh, because Jay has been, uh, has met with the Carolina Panthers once and was reported today that he would be uh, going back for a second interview. And Jay and I did talk about what he's looking for in his future. He talks about getting back into coaching. So an interesting opportunity there for sure. Carolina, like Washington, needs a quarterback. So I don't know if that's the ideal situation for Gruden. But hey, if you want to be back in the mix as an offensive coordinator or, or whatever, then you got to do what you got to do. All right. So anyway, um, you can find that if you go to iTunes or Spotify or, or listen to it on the Athletic app or anywhere else you do your podcasting and of course if you want to hit me up on twitter i'm at ben standing and make sure you check out the athletic uh the last two articles i wrote about the washington football team essentially what they said and what i heard with regards to things from ron rivera martin mayhew and various players um from last week uh looking ahead to the off season and i'm gonna have a playoff preview up on the site friday morning Uh, i spoke to three scouts I did this last week. They're really player, uh, personnel player execs, but three scouts uh, previewing 
the games this weekend. So you can check all of that out. Um, what else can I tell you? Uh, obviously, I mentioned the Senior Bowl. Ron Rivera, uh, he had, it, it, the anticipation was he would be at the Senior Bowl, but he told us, our friend Scott Abraham with WJLA, uh, this week that he was not going to be attending, in fact. Um, he is going to be out in California for a family event, uh, but he said that he's, he told Scott that effectively the reason he wasn't going is he wants to have the opportunity to meet with these players in a more private setting where they're able to give a little more candid responses. And, you know, when you're in these types of deals, um, you know, and there's all the 32 teams are there, or at least most of them will be there. You know, if you're a player going from one meeting to another to another, perhaps it can be a bit hectic. Um, And so Rivera is looking, he says, for some more uh, private time with them. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, You know, I think some people are confused why the head coach wouldn't be going to the Senior Bowl one way or the other. Uh, It is what it is, but uh, he's not going, and uh, at least he says he's not going. So uh, we'll see. uh, We'll see about that. I, I wouldn't make a huge stink about this. I mean, the other participants from the organization will be there, presumably Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney, as well as scouts and assistants. And, you know, they'll obviously, uh, you know, get a good read, uh, or at least you hope they will, on the various prospects there. I mentioned most of the quarterbacks of note in this class will be in Mobile, or at least are scheduled to be there, as am I. So uh, it is the same week as the name change announcement. That's been a little dicey on this end, just because obviously that's a huge deal. But you know, so is the Senior Bowl, so we'll, we'll weigh that. But the plan is to be at the Senior Bowl as well. Um, all right, we'll we'll just jump in here. Um, we'll get to my conversation with Citizen Cope. But first, we talk NFL Draft. Jim Nagy, Executive Director of the Senior Bowl. We're going through the prospects and what to keep an eye on as we head into the draft season here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right, joining me... As promised, he is here to help us kick off draft season officially. He's executive director of the Senior Bowl, which is obviously a huge stop along the way to April's draft. He is the great Jim Nagy. Jim, thank you so much for your time. I know I've got you driving from one place to another because you're always on the move. Uh, Thanks for the time. How how are things going? Uh, Great, Ben. Thanks for having me back on. It's good to to reconnect. And yeah, here we're we're draft season is upon us. So, uh, uh, excited to uh, get all the players down here and, and get you down here. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited to go as long as Washington's name change situation does not ruin my plans. I, pl- I plan to be there uh, for 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 sure. And and look, it's the Senior Bowl is an, an exciting situation uh, all kinds of ways. I mean, if you're into the draft, obviously there's a lot of different steps along the way, but this is a big one because you get all the you know the top seniors effectively in the same space to show off their wares um, to the public on on game day, to the, to the scouts and, and, and teams throughout the week. It's pretty exciting. How, how is it from your perspective? Is this, has the evolved, has the event, how has the event evolved over time for you? And then maybe specifically over the last, you know, two years in the light of the pandemic and how you've had to adjust uh, a few things here and there. Uh, yeah, but it sounds uh, self-serving now to say it. Uh, but I always felt like this was the most important step of the draft process because it's real football. Um, you know, you can talk about combine and pro days, but that's just guys running around in shorts. That's not football. Um, so, so yeah, this is uh, it's a big part. This is a big part for the teams. I think, uh, you know, the interview process down in Mobile is is looked at as, as very important. You almost meet a different kid 
um, here in Mobile than you meet at the Combine. Um, it's a little a little more of a laid-back setting um, that there is in Indy. I think the guys get the players get coached up uh, a little more between <laughs> between the Senior Bowl and the Combine. So um, this is a great first exposure for for these teams. And really, most of the scouts have seen these players, you know, being out in the fall. I think this is the first opportunity for for the decision, a lot of the decision makers, the GMs, and the head coaches to really get their eyeballs on these guys and connect with these players. So, um, yeah, and you're right, the game, the game has evolved. Uh, we've worked really hard to, uh, you know, kind of grow it, um, not just on the, on the football side in terms of recruiting and, and getting the best players. Uh, it's been a great game for a long, long time. But, uh, you know, we have. We've, you know, this year we've only had three seniors decline our invites, so that's a, that's a pretty, good, pretty good rate. Uh, we've really worked hard at bringing more juniors down. I know last year we had 16 juniors in the game, and a lot of those guys were high-profile players like like Creed Humphrey, the center at Oklahoma, um, and we'll continue to do that. But, yeah, just, just really building out all the events, Ben. You know, so like the Players Mardi Gras Parade on Friday night, we've got a free downtown concert. Um, this year with a group called Portugal the Man. We've got a, a Senior Bowl Summit event with uh, all a bunch of the top uh, college coaches around college football, including Nick Saban. Uh, Kirk Herb Street will be uh, hosting that event. So just a lot going on, really exciting time. And, uh, and here we are. It's, uh, you, you plan for it for a year, and then uh, now we're right, we're right here on the doorstep. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it's, a, it's a really interesting time, to say the least. And I think also because, you know, with, with the way things are, uh, just in general, obviously things got back a little bit more normal this year in terms of college football the watching of it and, and, and just the general participating of it although the you know the bowl season got a little um hectic and chaotic because of the of the the omicron virus and things like that the the variant but you know uh, it, it is still the opportunity to sort of get everybody together and and and, and have everybody sort of on the same uh page you know you, can't, you you know who they're going up against you don't have to look at the tape and wonder wait was that team missing their starting offensive line in a given game or things like that um so we're going to talk about quarterbacks because i don't know if you know if you know this jim uh washington is one of those teams that might need one so we're gonna yeah and, and you've got a <laughs> and you've got a bunch of the, the really good ones there basically uh almost all the guys who will be discussed as first round uh talent are, are, are with you so i do obviously want to discuss those guys but let's broaden it out i guess a little bit um you know, these are all your children, so I don't want to say who are the who are the two or three players, non-quarterbacks, that stand out to you the most. But obviously, you know, there are some guys here who are going to be a little more higher graded than others. Who, who are a couple of the guys, non-quarterbacks, that, you know, are probably going to be the ones that, like, from a first-round pick perspective, probably going to generate the most attention, do you think, uh, the, uh, that week? Yeah, non-quarterback-wise, we just went over the board uh, with a with – a, a uh, guy from the NFL Network um, that's going to be covering our game um, yesterday and kind of went over the board and, and potential first-round picks. Uh, and there was uh, that number was in the 20s. Uh, I'm not saying they all will, but I'm saying with uh, with a good draft process, these guys could, you know, they're they're as graded right now by the league and, and, and by our staff as guys that could get there. Um, I think you start on the offensive line, there's a number of those guys. Uh, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, their left tackle is a guy that's uh, – could really benefit you know like he's a he's an abusive player on tape he bullies guys at that level um, really makes it look easy and so now he just needs to come down and show he can do it against NFL caliber people if he does that um, right now you know Trevor's probably a late one for most teams and uh, I think the sky's the limit you know I told him when we went up and invited him uh, he was our first player invite this year uh, I told him I, I brought it back to the Eric Fisher draft I, I think that was 11 or 12 uh, you know, is Luke Jokel, Eric Fisher, uh, Lane Johnson draft. 
and, and Eric Fisher came down from Central Michigan, very similar to situation Trevor's in, um, dominated during the week and went number one overall. I, I don't know if Trevor's going to get that high, but I think he could make a huge jump. Um, tight end, I, I think that's a really – it might be the best, uh, you know, top-to-bottom position group, you know, relative to a normal year uh, as the tight end class. And I think Trey McBride from Colorado State is, is one of those guys. Uh, you flip it on the other side. I mean, there's guys like Devontae Wyatt, an interior defensive lineman from Georgia, who had an incredible year. Devin Lloyd, the linebacker from Utah. Uh, Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. It's Roger McCreary, a cornerback from Auburn. I mean, I think those are, you know, those are just trying to work visually across the board right now. That's in my office. I mean, those those are guys that are. You know, are near the top of all their positions and, and could be there in the first round. Yeah, you mentioned Devin Lloyd. He was he was somebody I wanted to to, to hit on. Washington did draft a linebacker last year in the first round in, in Jamin Davis, but have sort of said that they're going to consider maybe him not looking at him as a middle as a Mike linebacker, which is I think part of their plan, which would therefore mean they don't have one. What, Devin Lloyd. I mean, I I, I guess I. If I had to cl- clarify him, I guess I'm sort of seeing people talk about him as an inside linebacker. He obviously was a playmaker for Utah wherever he was. W- what's your sense of kind of what do you think he is when you're viewing him at, at sort of the next level and what kind of makes him stand out? Yeah, he, he made a nice jump. As a lot of guys did this year. I don't know if it was, uh, you know, COVID affected. I know talking to some of the players, it was. Uh, we just And Devin's one of those guys that, you know, we had a nice grade on him over the summer, uh, but he kind of took his game to another level this year. Uh, he's long and he's athletic. Uh, he's played off the ball. He's played on the line of scrimmage. Uh, really good blitzer. Uh, you know, makes plays on the ball in coverage. So he's just one of those guys that kind of fills the stat sheet. But an instinctive football player, uh, length, speed. I mean, there's there's certainly a lot to like. So it's a good linebacker class. I think uh, you're going to see a lot of linebackers go on day two. I think that second, third round is really going to be a sweet spot for linebackers. And, uh, you know, I think Devin, that's where Devin is. Devin's probably a late one, early two. Uh, you know, depending on what team you talk to in the league right now, and, and he's certainly got a chance to uh, to jump because, you know, you look at the Rose Bowl game against Ohio State, um, that Utah defense struggled. Uh, they gave up a ton of points to Ohio State, tons of yards, tons of points. Uh, and I think this will be a, a good opportunity for Devin to come to Mobile and, and uh, you know, just, just make one more impression on, on the field um, after that Rose Bowl game. Um. I, I want to go back to what we were talking about a little bit at the top about, you know, sort of getting this all together and bringing these guys in. Uh, obviously, the, the, you and I were talking right before, right before we started the, the show about how for you, you are a scout. You've been, you've been an NFL scout. This is this is your world. But now you have this new job and you're tasked with organizing the event. And that's a different type of uh, skill set. But at the end of the day, your nuts and bolts are about the scouting. And obviously for the NFL teams, that's what this is all, all, all about. And, I guess my wonder is, based on the setup, it is. What's the thing behind the scenes that fans won't know? Maybe fans will get a, vi- a look at the video of how somebody did it practice, or they'll actually see the game um, itself. What, what are some of the things that, 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 that make it unique for you guys behind the scenes for teams, what, the interview process or what have you, that, that, that you think teams really look forward to when they get to, uh, to your event? Yeah, I think I think probably the biggest thing is just the interpersonal dynamics on the roster um, with the teammates and see how guys come together because it is really it's really unique. You've got the best players from all around the country coming in, and you, you would think that all these guys are, you know, super confident and, and everything. And, and when you're behind the scenes, you see you see them when they get off the bus and they come to the player hotel. Um, there's some anxiety, there's some nerves, you know, in, in how they're going to stack up. Um, 
So you, you want to see how they work through that. You know, I think it's not, now that I've been in this in this position for four, this is my fourth game, um, I'm more in tune with that than I was when I was coming for the 20 previous years as a scout, um, and just see how they deal with with that part of it. And then with teammates, you know, a whole new dynamic. You're trying to establish yourself. Uh, you know, it's a, it's interesting to see which guys emerge as leaders on their team over the course of the week, uh, particularly at that quarterback position. Um, and then there's tons of other takeaways. You know, you just in the meeting rooms and how they learn and pick things up. And uh, if you're really in tune at practice, you can see, uh, you know, like during one-on-one periods, for example, if a, a guy takes a bad rep and, and gets his butt whipped, um, they, jump, they, they jump right back up and take another rep. Well, who, who can bounce back? Who can get over it? Who can take that coaching point that the offensive line coach made to them um, and apply it the next rep? So there's there's tons of takeaways. You just got to come down here with you, your eyes and ears open and be in tune with everything and uh, take plenty of notes because uh, we tell these guys at orientation when they get here is that you everything you're doing is being evaluated by these teams and it is truly you know a week long process of that. So the players know that. But again, like back to your point, there's there's a lot of great takeaways um, that aren't on the field per se. Uh, coming out of Senior Bowl week, and you know to localize this a little bit, you know Washington. This was, this was with the different staff, but Terry McLaurin. This is where, to a degree, he really kind of jumped out to scouts who were maybe viewing him more as a special teams guy or not necessarily a day two pick like he ended up being. He gets to gets to the Senior Bowl and really starts to show the traits that have made everybody in the NFL <laughs> since he's made the NFL really fall in love with him. Both what he presents on the field. And off the field, Antonio Gibson uh, in 2020 was a guy that Washington really began to like uh, for his explosive ability in 2020. Um, so those are two guys to mention who I think the Senior Bowl really benefited, uh, certainly in the eyes of Washington. Uh, again, I know you love all these players, so they're all equal, you know, equal kids in your in your eyes. But at the same point, are there a couple guys that think that you think about in the idea of a Terry McLaurin who jumped up? I think at the Senior Bowl who maybe could be those kind of candidates this year for whatever the reason. Yeah. It's hard for me to put anyone in Terry's category. He is, uh, he is one of my all time favorites. You know, we had him back down here, uh, honored him as our, our rookie of the year from two years ago. We couldn't have our hall of fame, uh, induction last year in 2021, uh, or in 2020. So Terry came down this year and just spending more time with Terry. Um, I said it when he left mobile that I think the guy could be a, a CEO of a fortune 500 company someday. And I, and I, and I meant it. Um, so to see what he's done up in Washington, not just on the field, but off the field, I know, I know the team's going to use him in the, in the new, uh, you know, nickname reveal coming up here soon. Um, so it's hard to put anyone in Terry's class, but, but in terms of guys that could break out and you're right, I think that, uh, you know, part of the reason that, that I invited him to Mobile was his uh, work as a gunner on punt team. He was a great special teams player. So he probably went from the fifth or sixth round to the third round, made a nice jump. Um, I think you look at this year's game, there's a number of guys that, that, that can fall into that category. Um, if you just keep it at the wide receiver spot, Jalen Tolbert um, from South Alabama, right in our backyard here in Mobile, um, has been a great player in the Sun Belt Conference. I think this is going to be a huge week for him, um, you know, to get into that upper echelon of receivers. I think right now he's probably in that second grouping of, of receivers. You're not hearing Jalen's name. I think that you will, um, you know, coming out of the week. I think that, uh, you know, Arnold Ebichetti, from Penn State as a guy, you know, up in, up in your neck of the woods in the Northeast, the Temple transfer um, had a great season this year at Penn State, and uh, you know, just talking to guys around the league, I, you know, some guys that are just getting getting to to Evaketti's tape, um, he's the guy that's really jumped off for a lot of decision makers that I've talked to that have, are just starting to get to him. Um, so again, we talked about some guys that have a chance to get into the first round. 
I think Evacetti's one of them. I think when he gets in one-on-one fast rest drills, he's, uh, he's going to open a lot of eyes. Um, uh, last question before we get, and I appreciate that. L- last question before we get to um, the quarterbacks. Uh, obviously, there's some with some local kids from the area. I don't know if I'm not. I don't I think I don't think there's anybody from Maryland here, but it looks like I see some of Virginia Tech uh, players, and, and there may be some guys who are from this general area that I just don't know about. Anybody here from the for the general DC uh, DMV area that sh- that uh, I should be keeping an eye on? By the way, the Senior Bowl is February fifth. Uh, on NFL Network, so that's that's where, you, as the fan, you'll watch it, but as we said, there's a lot going on. But anyone from the DMV area in general that uh, people should keep an eye on? Yeah, I, you know, you, you talk about Vatek. I think we've, we've got a few Hokies in the game, and I would say Lucita Smith, um, the, the offensive guard uh, for Vatek, is a player that, again, you're not hearing a ton of buzz about right now, but um, Big athletic guy, former former tight end. Um, you see that in his play. Um, really good initial quickness, uh, mobility. Can get up to linebackers and stay on linebackers. Uh, I think he's going to have a great week. You know, I, it'll be interesting to see if uh, his coaching staff, you know, wants to use him. He will be with the Detroit Lions team. It'll be interesting to see if the Lions try to cross train him at center a little bit um, because he's more than athletic enough to do that. Um, he hasn't done it a lot at Bot Tech, so that'll be interesting. You know, Vatek had a good a good center, Brock Hoffman. Um, so that'll be interesting. But I think Lasidis is a guy that uh, I'm excited to see uh, because you're not hearing a lot of buzz about him, but he's got really good tape. All right, let's get let's get to the main event. At least at, at a minimum for Washington, I think probably for a lot of teams as well. This is a very interesting off season. It feels like because until the Aaron Rodgers and the Russell Wilsons of the world are truly available. This is not considered to be a great free agent class, and therefore the draft is probably going to be a place where teams are really going to have to say, all right, this is where we have to make our move. And they're, depending on how the evaluation goes, there could be four, five, six players that get picked in the first round. Um, other than Matt Corral at Ole, from Ole Miss, you really seem like you have the names of the guys who are getting uh, pick, potentially picked in that range. Um, it, just to name them really quick, I'm not. this is not in any order, um, Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati, Malik Willis, Liberty, uh, Bailey Zappi, w- w- Western Kentucky, Carson Strong, Nevada, and Sam Howell, North Carolina. Those are the guys. Uh, obviously, I, you can just say broadly, I, this has you've got to be pretty excited, I would imagine, to have this lo- this depth of of, of talent uh, with all you know. Maybe other than Zappi, feels like I've heard of everybody mentioned in the first round, possibly at some point. Yeah, Ben, no, you, you nailed that. We are. We're really excited about it. Yeah, those, you know, we'll have five of the top six quarterbacks in the draft in the game without, without Matt Corral. Uh, you know, and, and the great thing is Sam Howell graduated early. He's in the game, and so did Carson Strong in Nevada. Um, so I think the word starting to spread to some of these players that uh, you get your, your diploma by December, you got a chance to play in the Senior Bowl. So that certainly helps us. Uh, but, yeah, all five of those guys, you know, in – you know, leaving Bailey Zappi out of that conversation, I think Bailey's more of a third, fourth round pick. He had a, you know, obviously had an incredible year breaking, you know, Joe Burrow's records for passing yards and touchdowns. So, um, you know, I, I love how Bailey Zappi plays, but those other five guys are the ones that, again, depending on which team you talk to, all five have first round grades across the league. You know, it's, it's not a consensus. Um, the stack is certainly not a consensus when you talk to teams I and mean, they're, they're kind of in a jumbled order right now. And that's, that's really the exciting part for, for the senior bowl is that I think that'll start to shake out during our, our week. I think our week will go a long way in determining, um, you know, where that grouping ends up by the time we get to April, because again, this is real football. Um, you know, they're going to have scripted workouts at pro days and whatnot. Um, 
But if you want to really see a guy in a true NFL environment and, and around other people and 21 other guys on a field, this is, this is going to be your shot. So to see those guys rep one after the other, um, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge for the process. It's going to be huge for these teams to evaluate. Um, and, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many end up going in the first because I think, like, uh, go back to your original point, five of them, five of them right now could, could go in the first. All right, so again, I won't put you on the spot to say who's your favorite one or who do you think is the best one, but I will ask you some version of that like, like in this way. You, you, you won't be surprised to know that we've been asking Ron Rivera uh, a bunch of questions over the last few weeks about what he's looking for out of quarterback, and I've sort of distilled some of it to this. Here's the traits he's looking for. These are not necessarily abnormal, but here's what he, sa- he said um, on the record in various points. One, ability, you know, obviously they got to have a strong arm and the ability to make all the throws. Two, they're looking for somebody that he would he calls quick twitch, a guy that when he sees it, makes a decision, and goes with it, it doesn't take very long for him to deliver the ball. And third, some mobility can move in the pocket, extend the play, keep the play alive, evade the rush. I think some of that sounds like pretty you know, apparent stuff, but not everybody doesn't fit everybody. Some guys are more mobile than others or bigger arms, whatever. If, if you had to pick one of those six guys that sort of fits that, those criteria that he just sit laid out, not necessarily saying who you think is best, but just based on that criteria, who who would be the one um, of that group? Do you think? Uh, yeah, I'd stay right in your your backyard there at Liberty with Malik Willis. Uh, he's a guy with all the tools. Uh, he's a little bit of a difficult evaluation. I went up and saw him play at UAB uh, earlier this fall. Uh, Michael Coe, our director of football operations, saw him play at Troy earlier this fall. And then he was down in Mobile for his bowl game. Um, he had a chance to take his, his offensive staff out to lunch, uh, spend some good time with them. But, uh, you know, Malik's got all the tools. He is a big, thick, put-together guy, really hard to get on the ground. Um, that was my main takeaway from that UAB game. It, it kind of reminded me when I scouted Ben Roethlisberger coming out of Miami, Ohio. You know, he can make – I mean, he shrugs guys off. He can make plays with, you know, guys draped all over him, um, you know, around his legs. He's just a big, strong kid, strong arm. Um, and what makes the evaluation a little more difficult is just supporting cast, um, especially in the games where he had to play up against like the old misses of the world. Um, they were just outmanned, you know, they were just outmanned and that's no knock on, on Liberty. Those guys played hard. They got to a bowl game, um, but they don't, they didn't have a lot of NFL playmakers around, around him. And, and he didn't, he didn't get great protection. He had to do a lot on his own. So very similar to, you know, Justin Herbert a couple of years ago at Oregon, um, I think that's where a lot of teams misevaluated Justin Herbert. You know, he was doing a lot on his own in that Oregon offense. Uh, I think teams are, are mindful of that now. So this will be a big week for Malik to be around NFL skill players and guys that can make plays for him and be, and, you know, and hopefully get really well protected. Um, it'll be a big week, but he's got all that stuff you're talking about, twitch, arm strength, mobility, extend plays. Um, that is Malik Willis. Okay. I, I, I like that. Um, one guy that jumps out to me from this group is Sam Howe. Before the last college football season started, he was probably considered to be the number one quarterback in this class um, and then maybe didn't have the season that some were anticipating. But to your point about Malik Willis, maybe the supporting cast, everybody on Sam Howe's, all the playmakers on his team, including a guy like De'Ami Brown who came to Washington, they all left. He had two great running backs who have who, who, who've done good things already in the pros as rookies. And it feels like perhaps maybe because he lost so many pieces that it became just, you know, a little overwhelming a bit to, to get the job done. But it seems like he has the, the basic tools. And I'm kind of wondering, I guess, what was your sense of, of how if, if some of that, what I just said, kind of rings true for him. And maybe he's one of those guys that 
when it comes to just, hey, let's put him in with, with good pieces around him that, hey, this is actually, we were wrong, we were right maybe the first time um, that, that this is the guy that we really need to be considering uh, pretty high. Yeah, you know, when you laid out uh, Coach Rivera's criteria, Sam was another guy that came to mind. I kind of picked Malik, but they're in, their, they're in the similar boat, uh, you know, that in terms of not having the supporting cast, you, you brought up all that stuff. And we had Michael Carter in the Senior Bowl last year, had a really good rookie year for the Jets. Javante Williams balled out for the Broncos this year. Um, so, yeah, there, Sam lost a lot. I think if you're, if you're trying to look at uh, spin it positively, I think we saw what Sam can do athletically more this year. I think we really saw Sam's toughness. Um, the guy ran for a ton of yards uh, and, and, and really did some really good things with his legs. So I think he kind of showcased his, his athleticism more this year. Um, he really can. He's twitchy. He can move around and make plays. He can extend stuff. Um, and he does have – and he's got a big arm. You know, he really does a nice job on the deep ball. Didn't have Diami Brown this year. That, that hurt, you know, not having that guy that he could go put it out to. Uh, but yeah, certainly this is another big week for, you know, I said it was a big week for Malik. It's, it's an, an equally big week for Sam, you know, to kind of show, uh, you know, that what he can do with, with guys that can make plays around him. Very similar to Malik. It's kind of, uh, those guys are kind of 1A, 1B in terms of what their what their storyline of their week is going to be. And then um, let's get to, to Kenny Pickett. It feels like this was a guy that was pretty off the radar, even amongst the, your, your scouting community and you know I, I wouldn't dare to say it's a joe burrow like rise but joe burrow was nowhere considered to be a first first round pick let alone the first pick and then he kind of blew up the way that he did I, i'm not putting kenny pickett into that category and in general we haven't heard of any of the quarterbacks being projected in sort of that top one two or three pick range but it feels like he's he is a guy that's really blossomed o- over this year uh, and as a guy who is scouting these players what, what when did you sort of start to, pay, to to notice? Oh wait, Kenny Pickett. This is somebody who is really kind of blowing up. Uh, not just interesting, but like really a guy who could go maybe even the first quarterback in the draft. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, my first exposure to Kenny was three years ago at the Manning Camp, and we actually invited him the last year's Senior Bowl. So we we've been on Kenny Pickett for a while. Um, a year ago, off his off his twenty twenty stuff, we had a fourth round grade on Kenny. Um, and that was a situation where, where we talked through that last December after his season was over, Kenny and I had a really good phone call. Uh, you know, the pit staff was trying to get him to come back. And, uh, I just was like, I am with all the players, very open with him, very honest in terms of, you know, our evaluation, uh, where kind of the league had him, you know, and I think that was fourth, fifth round for most teams. So yeah, he made a, a, a monumental jump. Yeah. And it is similar to Joe Burrow. Cause we, we had Kenny's card on the board, the same place we had Joe's going into his senior year too. Um, you know, and again, I'm with you. I'm not putting him in, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to be the number one overall pick, but, uh, you know, just in terms of the pure evaluation of Kenny, he was playing beat up on 2020 tape and you, and you knew that, um, but mobility was an issue, um, you know, taking sacks, not being able to get out, uh, buy a second chance. Um, those were things he was doing this year. You know, he looked like a different athlete, you know, he's always had good feet in the pocket, um, but actually able to get out and do more, um, the arm strength seemed better um, looked like he had more zip on the ball than he had the year before um he just had more command of the offense he wasn't forcing the issue um i think he had better skill people around him um i think he had the, the wide receiver group really stepped up around him this year and made plays so yeah kenny right now i think he he might be if you did try to take a consensus he might be the number one guy entering the entering the process you know somewhere in that middle of the first round area um and it'll be it'll be a big week you know you've got the detroit lions picking number two they'll be down here 
you know, the Jets picking four, certainly I don't, I don't think they're going to be taking a quarterback after Zach Wilson last year, but um, big week for Kenny Pickett. And he's got a lot of the same stuff Joe Burrow has in terms of, you know, kind of the it factor stuff. You know, you see him at the Manning camp, and he's the alpha of the alphas down there. Guys gravitate to Kenny Pickett. Um, so this will be a good week for Kenny to show that to teams. I mean, and he, he's one of the things, he doesn't have to try to do it. Um, he's just kind of got that natural charisma to him. Um, so those things are really going to help Kenny as he works through the, through the spring and spends more time with teams. Um, I, I got to hear for just a couple more minutes. Uh, the Again, uh, you know, it, 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 I feel funny every time I ask you a question to evaluate these guys because I know how much it's, it's meaningful for you to have them show up. And obviously you want to promote everybody as best you can and, and all that. When we talk about this quarterback class, the basic conversation all year has been, Look, there's no Trevor Lawrence here. There's not a guy who's definitively being picked in top one, two, or three picks, regardless of who is going to be the, the teams. Um, you know, you never know what a team is going to want to do. Um, it feels like that, that narrative has maintained throughout the year, which doesn't mean there will be guys picked in the top ten. But what do you what do you say to the people who say that there's some depth in this class, but maybe there isn't the a, a true top-tier quarterback? Is it... Do you, are we still too early in the process to a degree to see that? Have we seen enough to be like, yeah, there's some good guys here. They're just maybe not the elite guy. What, what do you say about sort of that conversation? Well, I'll say that conversation is really driven in the media right now. I think uh, the NFL, what, what, what the perceptions in the NFL oftentimes are very different than what's out there in the media. So um, I'll, I'll start with that. I do think last year's class, you know, you look at those five quarterbacks that all went in the top 15. I think a year ago, um, four of those guys were probably in the top 15 mix already at the start of the process, probably led by Trevor Lawrence. I think Mac Jones kind of played his way up there. You know, he was he was probably more of a late one, early two, and really had a nice nice process. I think this group is probably starting more, depending on the team you talk to, in that middle of one to middle of two. Um, and we'll see how that all shakes it out. But there's going to be a couple guys in this class. I mean, history is borne this out. They're all, all five guys probably aren't going to hit whether that's on the talent level, that's on the circumstance they're, circumstance they're drafted into. Um, not all five of these guys are going to, are going to become, you know, playoff caliber NFL quarterbacks. That's just, that's just historically shown, but I think a couple will. Um, and I think that's on the teams to figure out who those two, you know, two or three or four guys are. Um, Cause they're all certainly talented enough to be in that conversation right now. And I think it's, it's going to come down to fit. Um, and so la lastly on the quarterbacks, you talked about this a little bit, but I would think that one of the interesting things here beyond the arm strength, beyond the mobility is you have all these players from random parts of the country, they, a lot of these guys don't know each other. And yet you have to get everybody to, to work together over the course of the week and beyond the coaching staff that maybe on offense at least falls mostly to the quarterback. Is this an opportunity to really get a look at a quarterback's leadership, their ability to get a group of people to, you know, to, 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 to pull in the same direction, to bond, to lead things like that. Is this a good uh, a test for, for those guys and for teams to see them do that in, in this unique circumstance? Yeah, I think uh, that's a great point, Ben. I think there's a lot of unique things. I think you can see how guys apply the playbook, how quickly they learn and can take it to the field. I think that's where Mac Jones really stood out last year um, was, was on Tuesday Mac knew where to go with the football. Um, you know, the ball came out on time. It was accurate, whereas some other guys got to kind of ease their way into the week a little bit. Um, you know, Mac hit the ground running. Um, so I think there's that. Yeah, and then the, the leadership part for sure. Um, you know, some of these guys know each other. The quarterbacks, you know, a lot of the quarterbacks know each other just from going to things like the Manning Passing Academy and things of that nature. 
Um, but, yeah, pulling a group of guys together is huge. I think uh, I just go back to a couple of years ago when, when Gardner Minshew was in the game. He came to me the first day and asked for the uh, cell phone numbers of the centers on his team um, and asked for the equipment guys so he could get the balls. And he just wanted to work on quarterback center exchanges in the in the ballroom the very first day. He got the quarterback group together with the centers, and they started working on exchanges. So, um, and that just to me that stood out. We haven't had a guy do that since. You know, that's just a guy being proactive, and you know, um, it shows where his mind's at going into the week. So, yeah, there's there's some great takeaways, and um, really a good opportunity for these quarterbacks to really really prove themselves in that leadership area. Awesome. Well, well, Jim, look, I really appreciate the time. Um, obviously, you know, the Senior Bowl is a big, a big big, week for NFL teams. I think for a lot of media people looking to get out of their house uh, and also come get, get, ready for the dra- get ready for the draft and obviously for fans to watch the game itself. Anything else for you that, that, that stands out, whether it's a, a player I didn't bring up or, or something else that, that makes it going to be an interesting week for people to, to keep an eye on? Uh, no, I just want to encourage everyone to, to, you know, watch NFL Network, watch ESPN on practice all week, and then the game on, on Saturday. I think it, uh, you know, people, guys that really love this, people that really love the draft process, like we say down here, the draft starts in Mobile. I think this is uh, um, where you really get your first first taste of it. You know, we, we, we set a record last year. We had 106 players drafted out of the game, which was 41% of last year's entire draft class played in the Senior Bowl. So, um, it's a great place to start. And then by the time you get to April and carry it all the way through, uh, when your team drafts, a, a, uh, you know, an Antonio Gibson who came to Mobile and played running back for the first time really uh, full-time in his life, um, or a Terry McClure and that kind of burst on the scene, it, it'd be a lot of fun for the, the fans of the Washington football team to get an early look at those guys. So, yeah, I just uh, appreciate your support, Ben. It's been, it's been fun getting to know you over the last couple of years and you following the game, so I appreciate all you do. And, uh, look forward to having you back down for this year's game. Looking forward to it. Obviously, if you, you can follow the Senior Bowl on Twitter, if you want to follow Jim specifically, at Jim Nagy underscore SB. And Jim's always talking about he, – he's dropping a lot of insight and information into a lot of these prospects um, throughout the process, including guys who are in the league. I'm sure you know, as he's watching the games, guys that have come through. So uh, follow Jim on Twitter. Thanks so much, man. I look forward to seeing you soon. All right, man. Safe travel. See you, Ben. All right, joining the podcast as promised. This is a big guest for me for sure. I, I, at this point, if I had to see say what musical uh, per, uh, performer I've seen most in concert, it's either you two or this guy. He is the fantastic Citizen Cope, who's going to be in D.C. later this month. Cope, how are you doing? You're on the road right now. How are you? I'm great, man. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate having me on, man. I always love talking to you, catching up with you, man. You are not just the guy who, uh, you know, crushes it musically, four gold records. Uh, you know, some of your when when I meet when I need to chill out, you you are my go to my go to source for for music for 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 that for that vibe. But you were also from this area, and because of that, this is kind of how we got to know each other a little bit. You are into the DC sports scene you have been historically, whether that's uh, the, the, you know the Washington football team, the the Wizards, the Bullets, Maryland football, you, you are that guy. So you've got the music thing, the sports thing. Uh, how, uh, but you also have the life thing. Before we get to all that, how is life? It's been a weird two years for all of us, and no doubt for a performer who's out in public, it's got to be really tough. So how, how's uh, how's everything going for you? Oh man, it's been really good. You know, I got a chance 
you know, for the first time not to tour for 15 years. And at first, obviously, it's, uh, you know, that's how a lot of us have, have become to think that that's how we should make our money. But, um, you know, we, we go out there and, and it was actually kind of somewhat of a blessing to be able to, to kind of not be on the road for a while and spend a little time with my family. So that, that was actually a good plus. Um, you know, I don't know how I'll pay my bills, but I, you know, you figure these things out, you know, that's what you do. I know that for, for, for sure. And, um, you know, I know like early last year when the pandemic was really, when we were all really trying to figure out what was happening, you were doing a lot of shows or a lot of sets on Instagram live and, and things like that. And now you're back at on tour. You're going to be at the Anthem in DC on January 27th. I know I've got tickets. I'm excited to uh, to see you there. You're, you're down south right now. You, you, you were saying earlier, this is not a farewell tour, but you may change how your touring habits are going to go going forward. So it's important if people want to see you to get out there this time. What what's your what can you share about kind of what you're what you're kind of thinking kind of going forward? Well, I think I'm going to do some like more destination shows where I sit in a city for three or four nights where like certain cities that I've, I've felt like have been really cool over the years. And it kind of gives people the chance to travel to somewhere that, that, that they might not have traveled and then give them something to do. And, uh, so, so that and some festivals and stuff like that, but I'm, I'm concentrating on doing some music for television and film. And I'm also, you know, concentrating on, on, on getting back in the studio, which is really the love that, you know, writing songs and making records is what I got into it for. So um, it, it's kind of like a, a great transition right now. All right, you've got the, you, you put out a new album, The Pull of Niagara Falls, uh, last year. Uh, definitely something people should want to uh, check out for sure. The Clarence Greenwood recordings is easily one of my, like if I have like Desert Island Records, that's easily, or CDs or whatever we want to say, that's absolutely on, on the list. So if, if uh, for those who are, catching up here to, to cope I, I recommend checking that out all right but okay we, we we got to that stuff we can talk more about that let's talk about sports all right uh i know like obviously typically here i talk about the washington football team and you were part of the panel that i had last year for the athletic where we did a story about the name change and what what it means to go through that and obviously in a couple of weeks they're actually going to name they're going to tell us what the new the new name is, and I want to get your thoughts now that we're almost here. But when I started this, I said to you, kind of, what, what should we talk about? And you were like, let's talk Maryland. You are big <laughs> into Maryland football. You are big into like the recruiting scene. Uh, what? what t give me, give me your status. You're a Mike Loxley guy. Where are you at with this program after he's been there now for a little bit? I think he's doing amazingly. I, I think it's really good that. You know, got over the hump with the with the bowl victory and 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 and, and kind of like you know he was left with a, a a tough situation having you know a child uh, die with die in the program with with Jordan McNair. So um, not not just obviously the tragedy of of that happening, but um, kind of coming in behind that and, and trying to start a new culture. So I think that always takes a little while. A lot of high expectations on Locks, but you know one thing about um, Mike Locks, he's, he's he's you know beaten some 
really big odds in his life, you know, coming from the inner high football scene and and, and kind of becoming a, a top five coach out of that, you know, during that time is is is, is, is huge accomplishment, let alone, you know, his you know, how he grew up in, in Southwest and in Southeast and during those times uh, was difficult times. So, you know, I, I think if anyone's up for the challenge, Locks is the guy. Did you, now you, uh, I said at the top, like you, you kind of moved around a bit, I think when you were younger, but you were at Wilson, right, Wilson High for a little bit? Yeah, I went to Wilson. I went to Deal. Uh, I, I came to D.C. when I was about six years old. So, uh I, I I grew up in that. Graduated in '86, so it's a, a long time ago. But that was um, those were good times. So and then and obviously you got you know some of your uh, music career based in DC as well. So at what point like for you did Maryland football? Because I mean like I grew up here and Maryland football was the team of my youth because you know if you want that was the local college football team. But at the same point, it's not. Even in relative to Maryland, the basketball team is always the one that takes more uh, center stage around here. When for you did Maryland football like become become a thing? Well, to be quite honest, Ben, I used to buy and sell tickets to concert and sporting events when I was real young. So I I uh, started out as a huge Redskin fan and started sneaking into games uh, at the players' entrance and um, <laughs> nice. at all at RFK Stadium and then got kind of introduced to selling tickets. And, you know, some of the guys were getting tickets from the players and selling them. And then, you know, it turned into, you know, I do that at the Capitol Center and the, for the for the Capitals and the Bullets. And I go out to Maryland and for, for football and basketball and uh, RFK. And, and it, it, it really provided me early on a way to kind of be self-sustainable and and not have to take, you know, just a regular job, you know, out of high school. I did that, was able to kind of be able to spend that time, you know, woodshedding and writing songs. And then, you know, early on, I, you know, bought drum machines and samplers and then had to learn how to use those things and, and, and get me studio time and all that stuff. So it was kind of like, it wasn't like I made a ton of money doing it, but I didn't have to like, um, you know, I made it a good enough living to, to take care of myself and then also be able to, the time that I was able to a lot in, in developing my craft was like just invaluable. Uh, all right. So at least from the world of, I don't know if we want to say scalping tickets, you became a fan of sports through that way i pre i i i respect that how whatever it takes no I, I was actually a fan first you know i was always a fan first i was sneaking into games and stuff like i was a huge redskin fan growing up who um who was your favorite player growing up well i mean it, it, it my teams were the were the joe gibbs teams um but i you know i came to dc when alan was still coaching so uh, I still have a lot of love for that, like that those those teams that 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 were they weren't very good, but they were you know Larry Browns and and the Charlie Taylors and the and the Billy Kilmers, even though Billy Kilmer couldn't really throw a spiral, but I mean it really started with Theismann, and Theismann was was a huge guy for me and Daryl Green and Art Monk 
and uh, you know the Hogs and 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 Dexter Manley hitting uh, Danny White, knocking him out of the game to go to the Super Bowl. So those times were always really great for me. Yeah, the over the over the hill gang and all. Yeah, uh, yeah. Gibbs is when I really started to to uh, to, to to take root for sure. Um, so, uh, but to go back to 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 Maryland. So you're you know you 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 you're a man of the world. You're living out away from from the area. How much though are you sort of paying attention to what is happening now? Like, do you actually like talk to Loxley? Do you like you clearly have some sense of him? Do you like know him at all? Yeah, I definitely definitely know him. He 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 was um, a friend of a mutual friend of mine that went to Wilson and they played uh, boys club football together. So Locks was kind of around, and, and, and I was, I was you know, we were always doing, you know, knew, knew each other in high school through through mutual friends, and then it kind of came on to he, he you know, he really jumped up, and he and we reconnected um, about eight years ago and, and and been friends. And it's funny because I, like, I was doing an interview, and, and somebody's like, well, what are your hobbies? And I thought of, I was like, I really don't have any hobbies anymore. I don't really want, I stopped watching a lot of sports. And I was like one day watching uh, a, a football game with with a D.C. team on it. Um, what was that team? And, and uh, against the national powerhouse. And I watched Stephon Diggs take this, this interception back for uh, – you know, a touchdown and just the way he he saw the football field, I was like, this guy is amazing. And I started looking at his tapes, and then I saw Tavon Austin's tapes, and I started following some of these guys uh, before they were going to college. And you know, it, it it was it was interesting to kind of like reconnect on that level with you know. And Stephon ended up going to Maryland, so I started watching Maryland a lot. And Loxley came back. And, uh, and, and so, so that's where I am at Maryland now. So I'm just kind of like, that's my team now. So this, this is why you are the official, uh, recruiting, recruiting insider for the, uh, standard room only podcast. Cause I don't know anybody else who's recruiting, who, who's paying attention to, uh, high school recruits coming into college. I remember even with like Dwayne Haskins, I mean, I, you know, you, b- before he blew, kind of even blew up at Ohio state, you were talking about, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of hoping, you know, he 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 was going to go to Maryland, and he didn't, uh, that, that that would work out. So uh, you you definitely have a have an eye for these things, and mostly because having an interest is is important, um, and uh, you clearly do. You were also telling me right before we started, this isn't relevant to Maryland, but it's big for college football. That Caleb Williams, the the, the freshman for Oklahoma, he's on the transfer market now because. Uh, Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma, went to USC, and clearly wherever he lands is going to be a huge deal. What do we think? Is he? I would almost imagine he's going to go to USC, right? Yeah, I would. I would go with USC on that one, even though I don't have any insider information. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would. I. I mean, if you think about it, Lincoln Riley's there, and it is LA and the NIL. I, I think it's huge for the Pac-10. You know, I think this guy is really, really, really something special. I think Caleb, and also the combination with Lincoln Riley being able to take his offense and being able to recruit out of California and his knowledge of Texas 
and Oklahoma and Louisiana and like being able to recruit that area and then just having, you know, you tell somebody come to Norman, it might be a little harder than say come to LA and play at the Coliseum. You know, I think that that's like, you know, it's probably one of the, you know, biggest moves for USC since Reggie Bush, you know, the situation with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, I, I was doing I shouldn't that. say situation. I should say that 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 great team. I really do think they could come in and and challenge the SEC. You know, next year. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be and great that, for. I think it'd be great for college football if USC returned to prominence. Uh, you know that during that Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, you know Pete Carroll era, it was a lot of fun watching games in the Coliseum. They have great uh, jerseys, and also it breaks up sort of the SEC dominance. The ratings were down significantly for the Georgia-Alabama game relative to when the college football playoff started. And I think in part because it feels like it's sort of the same old thing every year because schools like USC, you know, Miami, Florida State, that would be higher, you know, higher contenders have all kind of faded off. So it will be interesting to see what what, what happens this year. Here's my thing with Maryland, though, to go back to that. Like, I, I just think a lot of people, it, it Maryland, I don't think it's like an in-your-blood type of program. It's not like... A lot of the schools where people just it doesn't even matter they just they, they kill they, they care so much i think for maryland they've got to be turned into more of a winner in order for that to happen and i don't know is it i just it's hard for me to ever see how that's gonna gonna happen but you're the optimist here to tell me why if you think that it will that, that that can maybe happen one day well i mean i think the main reason is that dc and uh the dmv in general has become a hot spot for football and um They've, they've really bought into developing, you know, youth football as well. And I think there's become a tradition, and a lot of people have seen that, you know, players can come to D.C. and 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 go to a, a, a major school. And I think Locks is, like, in the same line of, like, you know, the next Coach Thompson where he can really turn Georgetown into a powerhouse, as, as Thompson did with, with Georgetown, I think Mike Locksley could do to Maryland. And and I never believed that before because I don't think that there is a tradition at Maryland football, but I think that he could bring it there. And I think that, that you know, it's not like a blue blood program, but with those players in that area and just the, the, the winning spirit, I think that, you know, that there, there's a good chance to do that. I don't love the Big Ten for Maryland uh, um, just because I think that it's a different type of game. Uh, and also, I just I, – I don't – I've never thought the Big Ten was the most interesting football league uh, as far as excitement. And I didn't really feel Alabama was ever a super exciting football team until – Mike Loxley and Tua and all those guys brought in that more spread offense that were exciting then. Um, going back to the, the thing you were talking about, Georgia and Alabama, I think one of the one of the things, yeah, they, they played three times or two or three times this year, and you know, no nobody you know wants to see a national championship played underneath a dome in Indianapolis. You know, it's like you want to feel the energy of what's going on. You know. It should have, you know, opened up some, yeah. some kind 
So, so I think that that that's probably, you know, that's my take on it all. I, I, yeah, I mean, I would just say not to veer into a different topic, but I think M- Mark Turgeon, I had no issue with Maryland, with with that relationship ending with Maryland, but I think part of his undoing was something he had nothing, he had no control over, and that was going to the Big Ten. It took away the, all the rivals that people knew, and that made it a much harder sell. And then when you're not having the success on the court relative to what Gary Williams had, I just think that made it so tough. The Big Ten... I, I don't know when Maryland will feel like a Big Ten school. Maybe never for me, but even in, for others, it's going to take a minute. And uh, yeah, the football team's got the same, uh, the, the the same kind of uh, kind of issues. Um, I, well, so, I think oh, I think ahead. we just have to look at the legacy of it. Like, there's legacy with the ACC in Maryland, and I think also the style of play is different uh, in the Big Ten and the ACC, and. Uh, it's just a way that a region specific kind of thing. And, you know, same with football. Um, Absolutely. You know, you talked about legacy and obviously, you know, that's an easy segue back to the, to the football team, a team called the football team that was called a different name before. And it's going to have another name come February 2nd, obviously on the field, the product has been, you know, subpar to say the least, uh, post the Joe Gibbs era and certainly over the last, you know, 22 years or so under uh, Dan Snyder. But there is some excitement in the air because there's going to be a new name. Uh, We don't know quite sure what it's going to be yet. Uh, Have you been paying attention to the rumors and the the speculation and the wild sleuthing out there that people are trying to figure out what it's going to be? I've heard. I've heard something about the commandos or something. Uh, <laughs> Com- com- yeah, commanders. Commandos would be a different deal. But, yeah, commanders is one rumor for sure. Well, I mean, I think, you know, obviously these things are done by big marketing committees that do, you know, you know, that's, you know, that's. But I- I'll be honest, like, I think that's an awful name. Um, I-, I Like I said, I think they should have named. You know, giving respect to Martin Luther King, and and named it after him and paid the family the money. Um, I think there's no other person or speech or more important in Washington D.C. than him in the last, you know, since his life. And you know, as far as back to uh, what they could call it it's usually just a marketing thing. So they're, they're going to figure out what colors work and what, what I hope they don't change the colors. Cause I've always loved the colors. Uh, no, the, the colors are staying, the burgundy gold is staying put. You can be that. They've said that much. Right. So, so, I mean, I think, you know, it just depends on, you know, the commanders, uh, you know, or whatever they're going to call it, I think is, I don't mind the Washington football team. I think the bigger question is the legacy of the of of, of the tradition of, of 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 the team. And I think that you know I can't even necessarily put it on on the ownership. I just think that the you know the league has changed so much that it opened up uh, this type of you know legacy kind of like where where a team with a legacy couldn't have as much power over it, it's not the Washington community that's behind this team it's 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 an owner's team 
and that takes nothing away from him because I think that like everybody would was put in his position that owns the team. So I think that like, uh, but, but I, I think to be honest, like there's, there's no other franchise in the history of sports that's taken such a fall. And I don't think, and that has more to do, not as much to do with winning. I think it's just like the legacy it's portrayed. Yeah, for for, uh, for for sure. I mean, it's one thing to have down years. A lot of teams in sports do, but when you have all the off-the-field stuff and it just doesn't feel like you're not even, like, proud to say that you're a fan of this team because of all the other stuff, it does uh, it does make it harder. Um, so you mentioned the Commanders, and you're not a fan of that. I'm with you. I, I'm not saying that any of these names are actually in the running, but these are the, some of the rumored names. W- one of the names – so you were, as I mentioned before – you kindly participated in a panel that we did when we ran a draft, a, a name change simulation on the athletic. And we had uh, about 15 people or so, uh, you know, fans, people of interest, and so on, uh, people interested in the team to talk with me. And we had some marketing experts. And you mentioned possibly naming the team after uh, Martin Luther King in some way. One of the names that came out of our simulation that is apparently in the mix is Red Hogs. Obviously, we'd have the red in there from where the Redskins, the Hogs would connect to the old, uh, you know, the Hogs with the Joe, Joe Jacoby, Russ Grimm era. What do you think about that as opposed to, like, you didn't like Commanders. What do you think about going with the Red Hogs? Nah, I don't like it. <laughs> Strike two. <laughs> I mean, where's the Hog in D.C.? Well, that one, I would say that one connects to your point of, like, the culture of the team, right? Has nothing to do right. with DC, but the culture of the team, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at Red Hogs, but I just think it's like, you know, I, I, I just think that that it's it's, you know, I, I I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay silent on it. I, I think what, what are the other possibilities, Ben? Because I want to. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to shoot down Red Hogs, but I, I just no. So the ones that are like again, just rumors, can't say for sure. But uh, Commanders is one. Red Hogs is one. They've ruled out Red Wolves, so we can take that off the equation. Um, you know, then you have things like uh, the presidents. I mean, I can't imagine. It's going to be that. Uh, another rumor lately has been admirals, but this isn't really a rumor. This is a rumor created by the internet more than it's created by anything somewhat factually based. But I don't know. Do you, do you like the admirals? No, I mean, I don't really like, I'm not really down with the military stuff. I'll be honest. And, and not saying that, you know, I, I, the family served in the military, but I, I in nothing against the military. You know, I, done a lot of shows uh you know for for injured people it's just i think that i don't think i i think the admirals represents washington more than dc so i think they just got to figure out are they going to represent dc or washington or like you know if that's the case they should keep the bullets name because you know <laughs> that 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 I, I love that you know so I think I think I think if we're gonna stay away from like war kind of themes, then we should 
we're going to stay away from the bullets, we should, we should probably stay away from the eyeballs. But if yeah. If, if, if they're down to give the bullets back, I'll give them the eyeballs. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I think a lot, it is interesting. I think a lot of the Wizards fans, older ones at least, would absolutely much prefer them be the Bullets, but you're right. I agree. There's a, there is some pushback out there for doing a, a something, you know, military related name here, but we'll see. It feels like based on the, something, if it's a DC tie, it feels like it's probably going to be something um, in that in that range, you, you know what I've always wondered uh, about. But as a guy who who write, you're not just a singer, but you write your own songs. You you are a classic singer songwriter in that regard. Like obviously, inspiration often comes from from things like love and heartbreak and you know family and, and things are with such emotional ties. Sports deliver emotional ties to people. Do you have you ever written anything that was connected to something sports related in in, in your ears? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I, you know, I, I, athletes, athletics, sporting events, and music are really, really tied, you know, because there's a, you know, there's definitely like, you know, like a lot of musicians and artists are big sports fans and, and vice versa. So I think it's like um, there's just a connection between athletes and musicians or artists because I think they're kind of fight, you know, I think athletes are artists in their own ways and and then like musicians are competitors in our own way you know but it's a different kind of thing um so i i think that like uh yeah i've written some things that 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 have been you know inspired by uh you know athletes or whatever but but you know it or or just like this the energy of of something but i don't think i i I, I did a song one time uh, about a high school football player, but it was a long time ago. And I never put it out. All right. Well, maybe uh, you know, maybe we need to get you on, on the case here. You know, the, the, the on the field team, you know, obviously had a bit of a lackluster season, disappointing. Even though they had the same amount of wins, but it feels very different. Maybe we need some sort of a bullets fever type song to help inspire the the, the team. For, for next year, whatever they're called, the Washington whatevers, uh, what, 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 what do you think? Do you have the inspiration in you for that for such a thing, or do they need to start winning to uh, maybe get that uh, get that vibe out of you? <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I would love to. I would love to write a theme song. I just have to see the name of the team. All right. Well, that maybe, maybe that'll be the next project for The Athletic. We, we commission a, a Citizen Cope uh, song when they become the Washington fill-in-the-blank and, uh, and and see what moves him. You know, you still got you know we got Chase Young. We're gonna, there's gonna be in some quarterback here in some capacity. Probably not gonna be Taylor Heineke, but Terry McLaurin. Like there's some you know there, there's some fun guys here. So maybe there's something uh, <laughs> something out of that. So did they did they? So they don't play hail to the Redskins anymore, huh? They do not, and I, I they do not, and I think that's like one of the things like you talked about like traditions. Like I think people would like to figure out a way. This is, I don't know about if the organization feels that way, but fans would like a way to keep that song. Could you change it? You know, it hailed to the – that's why, like, Red Hogs or something like that something could like that. be worse because yeah. it's, you know, it's already there. Um, but I don't know. That, that, I think that's one of the things, you know, that they've got to uh, they've got to figure out. I think the current administration has, has shown 
that they are somewhat naive to how some of the traditions are important to the fan base. Um, you saw this with the Sean Taylor uh, uh, celebration I had a few during the season that they kind of botched. I think that's yeah. something that they need to work on, and maybe this is something once they get a, once we know the name that can be applicable in some way. Right, 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 right. But if not, you know, maybe if they, if they dump the song, this is where you know this is where somebody like you with DC ties can maybe maybe step in. I would just probably uh, add the name of the, you know, that would be great. You know, who knows? But I, 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 I do like that song. Maybe they just change it to the Commandos. Hail to the Commandos. <laughs> uh, I, I like it. I like it. Uh, well, Cope, listen, you've been uh, gracious with your time. I know you're on the road. You're in the middle of uh, going from one, one place to the next. And like I said, I know the plan is to see you here. January 27th. Is there anything about these shows in particular that, uh, the, the... Uh, it's going to be awesome. Alice Smith is going to be featured. Uh, it's going to be great. going to play the anthem. Uh, real excited about it. Um, you know, we're still going day to day on this COVID thing. So as, as far as, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, some of these things don't change, but, um, if they do, the show's going to be there at some point. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, look, we're, we're, fingers crossed. I think that's how we are for everybody, having just made it through an NFL season where, where the team I cover had a significant COVID outbreak, had a game delayed. We weren't sure what was going to happen. I totally get it. And you, you're having to travel across the country, and you got to get, obviously, people in to watch and be safe. So there's a lot going on. But hopefully – Hopefully it'll work out. Like I said, January twenty seventh at the anthem. I've never been to the anthem actually, so I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to see that. On top of uh, seeing you in person, you know, literally in twenty twenty, the last thing I did it, at an event was I saw you in Orlando, and then like a couple weeks later is when everything kind of happened. So you, you were literally yeah. the last thing I did, and now I'm excited to see you again. No, it's going to be great. The anthem is I've never played there, but it's a beautiful venue. Big shout out to Seth Horowitz, uh, who runs the place, and uh, all the people that work there. Always same people from the 930 Club. Always been great people. Um, cool. And if you're listening to this outside the area, go check him. Go check out his website, citizencope.com, for other dates. And of course, go follow him on Twitter at citizencope. Are you at? I didn't even look. Are you at citizencope on Instagram also? Yep. Yep. All right. So go check him out everywhere. Go check out the music. Um, and, uh, Hey man, I really appreciate it. Excited to see you. I appreciate the time and, uh, you know, we'll see what Mike Loxley in Maryland, uh, can do for you. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see where Caleb Superman Williams goes too, Ben. It's great talking to you. Thanks for uh, having me on here to, to, to shoot the stuff. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks man. All right. Many thanks to Jim Nagy and the great citizen cope for their time and again uh, citizen cope will be at the anthem theater on january 27th um if you've got if anybody's gonna go let me know hit me up on twitter or at or at uh at the athletic.com and uh should be a good show I'm, i've seen them several times excited to see him again um but that's it for now uh ben standing signing off everybody have a great weekend until next time see you